0: Hey y'all, welcome to the very first episode of Deeply Southern, the podcast where we talk about the legends, history, and folklore of the Deep South and beyond. My name is Skylar, I myself am Deeply Southern, and storytelling is a large part of our lifestyle down here. Somewhere amongst the Spanish moss that hangs from old oaks and the honeysuckle breeze that blows through them is a world with stories unknown by many and truly appreciated by less. Well, I aim to change that. And I sure am glad y'all decided to join me. There's plenty to talk about, and I'd like to start with two legends that hit a little closer to home for me. I live in southern Georgia, and around here, we love to spend a lot of our time outdoors, whether it's to make a living or just for fun. The coastal plains here lend their flatlands, marshes, and swamps to many a creature, some more mysterious than others. One of the more locally famous ones is known as the Ottomahaha River Monster. Or Alti, if you're on a more friendly basis. It was named after its home around the mouth of the Otamaha River. The Otamaha River stretches 137 miles across Georgia and twists through an estuary of salt marshes and abandoned 18th and 19th century rice fields before emptying into the Atlantic Ocean near the city of Darien. There's something coincidental about Alti inhabiting the waters around Darien, the original settlers of the area were recruited from Inverness, Scotland in 1735. For those who may not be privy to the significance here, Inverness is home to the shores of Loch Ness and the famous Nessie, whose descriptions happen to bear a striking resemblance to those of Altie. Tales of Altie can be traced back to native legend, and in 1830, You'll find her first feature in a local newspaper, where a ship captain and five of his crew reported seeing a creature swimming not far from Darien in the St. Simon Sound. They described it as being 70 foot in length, with the circumference of a barrel, front flippers like a seal, and a long neck that lifted its alligator head at least eight feet out of the water. Some people tried to explain it away as a whale of some sort. But these men had witnessed plenty of whale in their time on the water, and were certain this creature was unlike any they had ever seen. There's been numerous sightings of Alti over the years, by hunters, farmers, fishermen, and the like, and all accounts provide a similar description of her. But much like the very similar legend of Nessie, no one has concrete evidence. After all these years, Alti has never tried to attack a single soul that encounters her, Seemingly docile, she tends to shy away from humans, quickly swimming away at first sight, leaving a massive wake behind her. Skeptics say it's just an alligator gar. They're known to live in the deeper parts of the autumn Others say it's just a made-up story passed through generations. But stories are always rooted in the truth. And the fact of the matter is people have been spotting Alty for nearly 200 years. So if you ever find yourself in Darien, Georgia, keep an eye on the water and you just might see Alty too. Our next southern cryptid bears resemblance to the ever-popular Bigfoot, but it's much wilder than what you've heard before. Further inland in Georgia, you'll find one of the best-known wetlands in the United States, the Okefenokee Swamp. Visiting here, you'll find yourself immersed in an environment that transports you back to a prehistoric time, back to the way this place looked before it was settled. Settlers have just begun pushing into the outskirts of the Okefenokee, where they quickly picked up on Native American legends from the local tribes, one of which told of an island deep within the swamp where a race of mysterious people lived. The legend first appeared in print in 1806 in Jedediah Morse's book, Geography Made Easy. In his section on Georgia, he tells of Native American hunters that had gone into the swamp and become lost, an easy thing to do in a place so treacherous. When the hunters found themselves in peril, they claim a party of the most beautiful women they had ever seen came to their rescue. Morse's book says, They, being lost in an inextricable swamps and bogs and on the point of perishing, were unexpectedly relieved by a company of beautiful women, whom they called Daughters of the Sun, who kindly gave them such provisions as they had with them, consisting of fruit and corn cakes. The tale continues that the women warned the hunters to leave the swamp as quickly as possible, for their husbands were fierce men who were cruel to strangers. In the harsh winter of 1829, two men and a boy living on the edges of the swamp decided to explore as deep into it as they could. Over the course of two weeks, they explored the very heart of the swamp, where they made a startling discovery of gigantic footprints. A newspaper recounted the sighting, the length of the foot was eighteen and the breadth nine inches. The monster, from every appearance, must have moved forward at an easy or hesitating gait, his stride, from heel to toe, being a trifle over six feet. The men had seen enough. Like any sane person, they retreated to their home before they could be introduced to whatever left those tracks behind. Some people aren't quite that cautious, though. When the men returned home and their tails spread, it excited a group of hunters that lived just across the Florida line. Somehow, they managed to convince one of the original explorers to be their guide as they trekked through those perilous swamps, hoping to find what the others had known. When they came upon the remnants of that same giant footprint, they didn't turn back like the others. They decided to set up a camp and rest for the night. Little did they know, the swamp wasn't about to let them rest easy. When they fired off their guns so they could fill them with fresh powder for the morning, a wild animal charged right at them. As for what happened next, I think it's best I just refer to the original newspaper article. The very next minute he was in their full view, advancing upon them with a terrible look and a ferocious mien. The little band instinctively gathered close in a body and presented their rifles. The huge being, nothing daunted, bounded upon his victims and in the same instant received the contents of seven rifles. The fight, however, did not end there. He did not fall along, nor until he had glutted his wrath with the death of five of them, which he effected by wringing the head from the body. Writhing and exhausted, at length he fell with his hapless prey beneath his grasp. As the creature lay dying on the ground, writhing and sometimes roaring, the men who survived the attack gathered around it to make a closer inspection. The creature was found to measure thirteen feet from head to toe, and his breadth and volume of just proportions. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that sounds like something I wouldn't want to run into in the dark. Then again, I don't think I'd be in the middle of a swamp in the dark. Afraid that the cries of the beast would draw more of its kind to them, the remaining men left their dead where they'd fallen and retreated home. That's quite the tale, isn't it? Surprisingly, it's one of many. That 1829 story is one of the earliest written accounts of the creature we know today as Bigfoot. After hearing about Alty the River Monster and the Okefenokee Swamp Bigfoot attack, you're probably wondering what other cryptids thrive in the Deep South. But that's a story for another episode. Well, y'all, that about wraps it up for today. I hope y'all have enjoyed your time here with me and know that I love and appreciate your company. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider checking out the Linktree link in the description of this episode. Just copy and paste it right into your browser for links that allow you to offer support, give you additional places to listen to both this and future episodes, as well as a link to my Instagram profile, at Deeply Southern Podcast, where you can see pictures that go along with the stories from every episode. Thank y'all for joining me, and I hope to see you next time, when I'll be telling the very tragic, very true story of how my family were the unfortunate victims of one of the most famous massacres of the South.